training the complete athlete, gaining the performance edge with Coach Koss. To find out more, go to trainthecompleteathlete.com. So today I'm excited to welcome uh, Emily Kozjerka, and yes, she is related to me. She's my sister-in-law, um, and later on I'm actually going to have my brother at some point, and he is qualified as well. He's a, a head baseball coach at Lewis and Clark University, you know, no, Lewis and Clark College, to be correct. Um, but the great thing about Emily is she has been in the world of sports uh, longer than I have, and she has been on the front lines as an athletic trainer. So she's been a, an athletic trainer for 20 years at the collegiate level and is currently at Portland State. And she is finishing up her PhD in health science at Rocky Mountain University in Provo. And her focus has been aerobic conditioning post-concussion. And concussions have become the forefront of athletics these days. Things have changed so dramatically. Laws have been put into place. I know when I got a concussion, I was back playing a couple days later, which would never happen now. Um, so there's a lot of confusion about what are best practices, what um, leads to kids' mood changes when it comes to concussions, and what are the best steps for recovery. And I also know for coaches and parents, they feel really helpless in trying to get their athletes back on the field. And working with Emily actually for several years um, as a coach, uh, she's always been so fantastic about doing whatever it takes to get back the kids back on the field. Because one of the myths is that trainers are trying to keep kids, you know, in the training room which is never the case. Emily was always like, how, how do we get you back playing as quickly as possible and as safely as possible? Um, so Emily, I greatly appreciate you being here and, and really enlightening um, people about what concussions really mean and how it impacts student athletes. Awesome, thank you for having me. I love talking about this topic and hopefully some of what I share can be helped to someone. So we were talking about how concussions have changed, and it seems that they have become more frequent and more severe. What is your insight into both of those things? I think that's a great question, and I think that what we are wondering is, are they actually more frequent? Meaning, are we seeing more of them, or are we just better at recognizing them? So there have been a couple of really interesting studies done where they've asked athletes about whether or not they've had a concussion. and in the course of that research have found out that people didn't really understand what a concussion was. And then once they were given a definition of concussion, then they were better able to say, oh, I did have a concussion. I thought I just got my bell rung. I thought it was, you know, I just got dinged. And so we, as we've come to understand a lot more about concussion, what the signs and symptoms are, we kind of wonder if they're not really increasing in frequency, we're just better able to identify them. And one of the things is I think both athletes, parents, and coaches are just better educated. Like yes. you said, you know, as a coach, young, you know, a young coach, it might be like, Hey, go back and play when I, you know, 20 years when I started. But now as soon as somebody gets hit, it's like, we got to see the athletic trainer to make sure that you are okay and safe to return. Yes. And that messaging has taken a really long time to get through. But I'm very excited that that really is the messaging now. So coaches, many parents, athletics administrators have really taken it upon themselves to learn that this really is a serious thing to be thinking about. And if we do it right, then we really can get most of these athletes back playing in a short amount of time without any long-term consequences. So it has taken quite a while to get to that point, but I'm happy that we're here. 
Well, one of the things we see, especially in the NFL, is the long-term damage of head trauma. And so I think that's also brought it to the forefront of the severity um, and maybe lack of protective equipment or just knowledge that some of these athletes have spent a career getting beat up and now are paying some severe consequences down the road. And maybe 20 years ago, we just didn't understand what consequences they'd be facing at the end of their career. Yes. And, you know, the NFL has really been in the spotlight over the past few years because of this issue. And again, I think when knowledge comes along, then we start to make realizations about our behaviors. And um, so, you know, I've been an athletic trainer for 20 years. And as you attested to, you were in a situation where you were back playing in a couple of days. And because the experts told us we could years ago, we would return athletes to play even the same day. And I hope people listening cringe at that now because that means the message is, has gotten to you that we would never do that now. But the NFL is definitely in the spotlight because of our increasing understanding of what the potential long-term ramifications can be, both from concussion and from just getting hit in the head repeatedly. Well, and you, you kind of talked about the, the change of expectations. You know, people would get their bells rung, go back into a football game right away. But now there are laws, you know, throughout the country. And I know Washington, where we live, or where I live, mm-hmm. it was one of the first um, states. Yep. Uh, was doc- the first state. Yeah, I'm like Dr. Herring, who actually was one of my doctors. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I'm very grateful I had such a great doctor, was the one to, to bring to light the severity of returning athletes so quickly after concussion. Yes. So... A couple of things that we have seen that have definitely spearheaded the change are the laws that have swept the nation really in, I believe it was over a four year span after Washington, every single state in the country had laws to protect athletes. Unfortunately, the other thing that instigated change is what often instigates change, which is money. And that came in the form of lawsuits. So there were a number of very high profile lawsuits, even before what people may recognize as the NFL uh, situation in their lawsuit, but some individual lawsuits where concussions were mismanaged and that resulted in a very large settlement. So, you know, we all know that two, two very popular things that drive change um, are money and law. And so, um, yes, it's, it's definitely happening and those are good things and we want to avoid people breaking the law and we want to avoid further lawsuits. So when an athlete, gets hit in the head or has a collision that may have jarred um, jarred their head in some way. And that's one of the things that I always try to remind uh, student athletes is when you have a concussion, your brain is bruised. You know, that's the thing is it's not just like, oh, it's no big deal. Think about how sensitive your brain is and it's gone through something very, you know, catastrophic. What is the best plan of action? A lot of people don't know what to do. We kind of jokingly mm-hmm. ask the, can you, you know, do you know what day it is? Do you know who the president mm-hmm. is? Those type of things. But it's so much more than that. Yeah. So... Um, a concussion, the best way to think of a concussion is like an egg inside of an eggshell. So when you shake the egg, the contents inside the egg shake with it. And we've really come a long way in our understanding of the pathology or the actual injury to the brain. And it tends to be a a combination of different things and it's different in every concussion. So it could be that the nerves that run through the brain are stretched and they tear. We also see a decrease in blood flow to the brain. So at the same time that an injury happens and the brain needs nutrients to heal, you don't have the blood flow to carry it there. And so we call that a metabolic crisis. So that's a lot of science talk, but hopefully 
aids in understanding that this is not a simple injury like tearing a muscle or spraining an ankle. Um, and so after that happens, the best plan of action is really a combination of things. Number one, first and foremost, is not to panic. And I think because concussion is so in the spotlight these days that people do get very anxious about it and it, and it tends to be a panic. Um, and really what we see in the data is that most concussions to the 80 to 90% of concussions will resolve within a couple of weeks in most individuals. So those individuals that are having long-term consequences are few. Um, so once a concussion occurs, number one, first and foremost is if they're doing something, they're riding their horse, they're playing lacrosse, they're in a football game, they're in a soccer game, that they're removed from that game. And that should be done by the coach if there is no medical professional, like an athletic trainer present. But that athlete should not be returned to play that day, no matter what they say, no matter what the score of the game is, and no matter what is on the line. Um, because what is really on the line is the long-term health of that athlete. And what we've really learned is that if they go back to play too soon, that's when we start to see some of those long-term consequences. After that, at some point, depending on the age of the athlete, they really do need to see a qualified healthcare professional. And I'm careful with that wording because states, with the laws that you mentioned before, have developed their own criteria for who those professionals are based on the initials following their last name. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that individual has had training. So please just make sure that that student athlete or that athlete is getting care from, a, from somebody who is well-versed in managing concussion. And then it's really just following a plan of recovery. And what we're recommending now is, you know, a, a couple days chill out. So rest and don't do anything that's gonna make any symptoms worse. So we don't put them in a dark room anymore. We used to call that cocoon therapy. And what we really found is that um, there were some pretty significant mental health complications as a result of that. But we do want them to chill out for a couple of days. And then after that, we really want them getting back into their normal life. So their socialization is, is extremely important. So for them to be around their people, whether that's their family, their friends at school, whatever they can do without making themselves more sick is what we want them to do. And then when their symptoms resolve and only when they resolve, they should start to follow a very specific progressive plan to get back into their sport. So that's really a five or six day period. It's very well, you can find it pretty much anywhere. But basically what we do is we let them exercise a little bit more each day and a little bit different kinds of exercise to make sure that their body and their brain can tolerate that kind of exercise. And then hopefully they go through that they get physician clearance if they're a minor, which is required in every state, and they go back to play. So two things when you talked about returning back to normalcy as much as possible, two things that I've heard that can really be a strain, so it'd be great to clar clarify, is screen time mm -hmm. and even like academics. You know, sometimes uh, students will come and say, oh, I have a concussion, I can't go to class. Um, but in, in lots of cases, depending on the severity, that can yeah. be true. Yes. Um, so what are some of the things that may be common in a, a student athlete's day-to-day -day that are should be avoided until their symptoms step down? So I'm going to try to give a simple answer when really it's a very complex answer. In the concussion business, we say, if you've seen one concussion, you've seen one concussion. And everybody has a different constellation of symptoms. So we may have a student athlete who has a concussion on a Saturday, 
their symptoms are resolving, they don't have any problems with their vision, with their eye tracking, they feel great. They may be in class all day on Monday without any problems. And we may have some athletes that there's more of a visual disturbance um, as one of their symptoms from concussion or they're very light sensitive. So for them going through and being under fluorescent lighting in bright sunshine, that may make them feel worse. And so that's why it's so critical to have an individualized plan. And I wish I could say, here's the magic formula. If I could say that, I'd be making a lot of money right now. <laughs> um, but I wish I could. I wish I could say, keep the screen time to 30 minutes a day, do one class a day. But we really have to individualize it to the person. Because like I said, you may not have to make any changes to some people. They can just be on their phone. They can check their social media. They can watch the movie at night and then go to school the next day. Mm -hmm. And we have some that if they did that, they would go into a tailspin when it came to their symptoms. So, and that is good to know that it is very individualized. And one of the things that I would like all student athletes and parents and coaches to know is it's really important to be honest about what symptoms you have. I know there's always the push of let's get back and play, but the severity of playing when you are not symptom free is astronomical what the consequences could be. Yes. And so I can say that as a former student athlete, as a coach, as now a parent, and working with trainers through my career, knowing that they are going to do what's best. I always say to people when they when um, I've had athletes that have gotten concussions, I go, where's the athletic trainer? And they're like, we don't have one. I go, but they know concussions better than anybody. You know, so that's the thing is, is you need to follow protocol to to prevent further issues down the road. And it may not show up till much further down the road. And so that's why it's really important for all athletes to be really upfront and honest about what is going on when it comes to symptomology. So one of the things you talked about um, was mental health. And a lot mm -hmm. of people, you know, yes, you have some damage to your brain, but a lot of people don't think it links to that mental health, which you have found that is totally not the case, you know? So some people, like I say, could bounce right back into sport. Mm -hmm. Some people it's prolonged. And for athletes being away from their people, being away from their sport, dealing with head trauma, mental health usually starts popping up. Yeah, and that's really how I got into the area of research that I did was in those few cases where our athletes had prolonged symptoms. Um, if you line up the symptoms of post-concussion syndrome and you parallel that with the symptoms of anxiety and depression, there is a lot of overlap. And again, with what we've come to understand about what the injury is in the brain, there's a pretty good appreciation that after a certain amount of time, most of the actual injury has resolved. And it doesn't mean that there's nothing happening or it's all in their head. Um, what it means is that now we may be dealing with the consequences of being away from their team, losing their identity because they're not playing their sport or any number of things, sleep disturbances. And so, um, yeah, we have pretty big concerns about what we're actually treating at that point. Are we treating a structural injury or now are we treating more anxiety and depression or something along those lines? And, and that, you know, it's funny because I work with a lot of um, clients that do have concussions and 
they don't even realize how it impacts mood um, and, and the need to be with teammates and the need to have that identity. You know, one of the other things that you see is almost a, a form of PTSD, that mm-hmm. fear of returning to, to contact, especially for high contact sports. Yes. I don't know. I, I haven't met very many golfers that have had concussions. I'll have to there ask. There are my, some. Yeah, I'm like, I'll have to ask my golfing friends. Um, <laughs> but like with any in, uh, injury, it's that fear of what if it happens again? What is that going to look like? So there are some real mental health issues that come with concussions um, that need to be taken seriously um, to help them their return to play be as seamless as it possibly can. So saying that, what are things that you have found, especially in your research, that could help student athletes with their mood, why they're recovering, to make that transition back as easy as possible? Yeah. And again, I think there are a number of things now that we've gotten to know and understand a lot better to help our athletes. And, you know, I always like to say that, yes, I am a PhD student, so I read more than most human beings should ever have to read. Um, But I've never learned as much from any research study that I've read as from the student athletes that I've served. And they have really helped me to see and learn about some things that have helped them through their journeys. So I think there's a number of things. Um, I think number one is having a good support system. And what I mean by that is not people to coddle them or worry about them or those kinds of things, but just a support system. And that's usually made up of family, their close friends and teammates, and their coaches. And research really shows that one of the most instrumental people in recovery after any injury for an athlete is their coach. So the messaging of support from a coach, the messaging of, I haven't forgotten about you, even though you're out from a coach, is key. So that can really be something that parents can do is to actually reach out to the coach. And you know, most coaches, man, they their heart's in this thing and they love these student athletes like they're their own, but they have to move forward. So when somebody's hurt, they have to move forward in their planning and they don't intentionally leave somebody who's injured behind, but it happens. And so I think just reaching out to a coach and saying, hey, you know, just check in. If you could just check in. Um, I think that's one thing. Sleep is a big one. So oftentimes sleep is disturbed after a head injury. So trying to track sleep, making sure that sleep sleep hygiene is followed is a big one along with nutrition. So here again is kind of this overlap between what's physically happening with the injury and then potentially the mental health of, um, I don't feel good, so I don't wanna eat. And then they don't feel good because they didn't eat and you get into this vicious circle. So that's another one. And then as I mentioned before, I think a really important one is participating in whatever activities they can without making symptoms worse. So my area of research is using light aerobic exercise. And some people probably just heard that and went, what? But I thought they were just supposed to sit and do nothing until our symptoms went away. And that is that was the message that we used to give. But we've gotten smarter. And some really, really smart people out there have done some great research and we're seeing that if they do light exercise, walking, riding a stationary bike, doing something that isn't going to put them at risk of getting hit in the head or doing something too hard that may make their symptoms worse, then they tend to recover better and they tend to recover a little faster. Well, and, and you, you uh, talked about a few things that I want to kind of follow up on because you talked about sleep hygiene, right? Yeah. And as student athletes, um, 
they're one of the worst populations yes. with sleep just because of the time crunch, right? So you see a high school student who goes to class all day, goes and trains, does their homework, and might be rolling into bed at midnight, and then they have to get up at six. And teenagers do not function well off six hours of sleep, especially when they're healing, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the biggest things is to communicate, this is what good sleep hygiene looks like. Yeah. And some of the things that lead to good sleep hygiene are... Uh, first thing, caffeine intake, which we know student athletes are chugging monsters and drinking coffee like nobody else's business. Um, the other thing can be uh, screen time right before bed. Mm -hmm. A lot of people fall asleep to screens, which is also um, usually keeps your brain more active and it's harder to go to sleep. Um, exercising right before you go to bed mm -hmm. is definitely another thing. Um, also, the light in the room. So if you're a college student and your roommate doesn't go to bed, um, <laughs> that's also difficult. You know, and so there's all these things and you can look up lists of, of sleep hygiene, which I know I break probably half of them. But those <laughs> things are crucial to get yes. quality of sleep. And as I say, a, a, a high school or a college student is going to say six hours is fine. All the research says six hours is not fine, and especially through the healing process. So uh, if you need science, you can always look up and say, these are the proper things for sleep, because I know that's one of the things I get the most pushback on, and I'm guessing you do in the athletic training room of, I, I, I got to study for this yeah. test. But the thing is, is pulling an all-nighter is not as good as getting a good night's sleep before a test. Yes. Right? And we've been really pushing it, um, not only from a recovery, an injury recovery standpoint, but from a performance standpoint. So if you haven't taken a look at the sleep science and its relationship with athletic performance, that is often a very good piece of leverage for those athletes that are having a hard time balancing time. The other thing I do wanna say about that with concussion is um, yes, all of these demands on an athlete's time are very real. So with school, with trying to sleep, with trying to eat, with trying to recover, and that's really where academic accommodations can come in and help. So um, working with the schools, and this is something that athletic trainers have really become a pivotal person with, is when athletic trainers are in the high schools, often they have worked out accommodations planning with the appropriate stakeholders in, at the school. And again, getting that message to teachers that this is not an athlete that's trying to get out of something. This is somebody who's really needing to recover from a brain injury, and these are the things that we know will help. So if we can take some of that off their plate from the school standpoint, and, and at least alleviate some of that stress, then what we found is that they can sleep a little bit more and a little bit better, and that aids in their recovery. Well, and that's, I think, recovering from injury um, and head trauma, the holistic care is so crucial. Yes. And that is gonna really be instrumental about getting athletes back um, out competing. You know, you talked a little bit about how coaches can help. One of the things too, I think, is teammates don't really know what to do. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I hear from clients all the time is the invisible injuries, right? Yes. Invisible injuries are probably the hardest to deal with when it comes to coaches um, and teammates, because you look fine, but really there's this whole healing process going on in your brain. So what is the best thing that athletes can do to um, advocate for themselves? And what are good things that coaches and other student athletes can understand when one of their players or teammates struggles with concussion? Yeah, great question. And I do have a story for this. And I've, I've told this story a couple times at conferences when I'm presenting because it was a really powerful turning point for me. And I had a men's basketball player and he was probably about a week into his concussion and it was a game day. And he was in my office and he looked pretty down and he was filling out some paperwork for me. And I looked up at him and I was like, are you okay? He's like, this just sucks. I said, yeah, it does. 
And he's in his, you know, suit because it's game day. We're about to go upstairs and watch this game. And he looks at me and he goes, can I have a boot? So for those of you that don't know, a boot is like a walking boot. So sometimes you've seen injured people in those big black Velcro boots. And I looked at him for a long time and he looked at me across my desk and I said, yeah, yeah, you can. And it, I watched his shoulders just relax, like a hundred pounds had been lifted off and he shook his head and he goes, I just want people to know I'm hurt. So yes, it is the invisible injury and I could share a number of stories that are similar to that. So what can you do? So number one, I think for the, the athlete that has the concussion is to be involved with their team as much as they can without making themselves worse. So continuing to be around their teammates, continuing to go to practice again with the caveat that it's not a loud situation that's making their symptoms worse. So anything that they can be doing to be staying in with their team and what's happening. Um, I've had coaches do great jobs giving them jobs. So giving them responsibilities and even if it's recording a practice, they're video, you know, doing video for the practice or they're keeping stats on the bench or whatever it is that they're able to do. So I think really enabling them and empowering them to have a voice in their own recovery is a big one. As far as teammates, um, again, like I said about the coaches, just don't forget about them. Check in. And, you know, now with technology, it's so easy to do that, you know, just a simple text to just say, I'm thinking about you, missed you today, you know, how you doing, you know, those kinds of things just, they go so far because nobody wants to be left behind. And then the same thing with the coaches is just those coaches just doing those check-ins, even if it's every few days. Um, and again, hopefully most of these athletes are recovering and back playing in a couple weeks. But for those that are on the long-term stuff, we have to figure out how to keep them in the mix. Well, and having gone through the being, you know, being away from my team experience as an athlete and then having athletes be away from me as a coach, I struggle with both ends. I, as a coach, yeah. I don't like my athletes being away. We, I always feel we don't feel complete. And I know for me as an athlete, my coach would check in after games were over and that, and this was before texting. Uh, so yeah. she actually had to call me. Um, and that was so important to me just to know what was going on. I know for me, um, one of the craziest things I, I did to stay connected to a student athlete, um, she actually ended her career due, due to concussion and we were going off to nationals and she hadn't been cleared to get on a plane. And so that was like devastating to me. And so she had been trying to get me to watch Pretty Little Liars for like two mm -hmm. seasons. And I said, fine. I said, <laughs> you watch three episodes of Grey's Anatomy while I'm gone and I'll watch uh, Pretty yeah. Little Liars. And we literally were texting almost our whole trip talking about shows. And for me, that is a kid that I was so connected to. Um, and it wasn't even about softball. It was just that you matter. I'm going to watch this garbage television because I care about you so yeah. much. And those simple things really hold your athletes tight to you and show Definitely. them that they still are important and they still have a role in your program. Definitely. And that is very crucial um, for student athletes, uh, success and actually return to play, even if they're out for a whole year. Yeah. So those are things, you know, think outside the box when it yeah. comes to connecting with your kids. And as I say, COVID has given us a lot of experience of how to connect outside right. the box. As I say, I keep trying to think of silver linings to, to COVID and maybe it's coaches. Now you know how to use technology to connect to your student athletes, which is, is super duper important. So. Emily, I really want to thank you. This is such an important topic, 
And I think um, in the world of sports, it, it took a big spotlight, and I don't want that spotlight to disappear on concussions because it's so real for, yeah. for so many student athletes and professionals throughout their whole sporting experience. And as I say, I always feel that I've been lucky because I have had such great athletic trainers around me my whole career that really understood. And when people get concussions now, I really don't know what to do to tell them because mm -hmm. I can't go say, hey, go to this athletic trainer, they mm -hmm. take your insurance. Because I have seen the athletic trainers probably are the best, especially at the initial of what do we do and let's have the best game plan. So if your school has an athletic trainer, be sure to, to grab them right away. Sometimes athletic trainers are also available in physical therapy clinics. So that's something also to look for because as I say, front lines of concussions, you guys are the best at it. And I've been super grateful that my athletes have ha always been in such good care um, throughout their time. And, and I always was safe to know they were getting back as soon as they possibly could. So I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you looking at concussions in a much bigger way than just, hey, we gotta get them back and who cares about their mood or whatever. This is a bigger thing than that. And I'm excited to see at the end of your dissertation mm -hmm. what all comes to fruition because um, I'm going to be the nerd reading it as soon as it comes out. Because I, as I say, this is so Somebody important. Somebody will read it. Yes, I will be the person that checks it out um, because, as I say, I deal with so many clients that battle this and they feel so alone. Yep. And to give them a voice is so important and I think that's really what you're doing. So I greatly appreciate your time and communicating uh, with our audience about how they can be active and um, in, in their care and also how the people around them can best support them. So I greatly appreciate that and hopefully we'll be back to fall sports yes. and you can get back to the field instead yes. of once again using your technology to connect <laughs> with your student athletes seeing them in person has become like one of the most glorious things yep. in the world so we will hope that uh, Portland State will return in September and you will be able to get back to work um, in the very important work that you do with our student athletes so thank you very much for your time awesome thank you very much for having me thanks for the shout out to athletic trainers everywhere who really are amazing at this and um I appreciate you also dedicating time to this important topic. <laughs>